You're listening to the Joy Junkie Show podcast, episode 397. You can find information on anything referenced in this episode at thejoyjunkie.com slash 397. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? Without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, Amy E. Smith. Well, hello, beauties. I'm so thrilled to be back with you again for another episode. And if you are newer to the show, the way that the format is structured is we do a series on one particular topic. So for example, right now we're doing a series on boundaries. So you will get a an expert interview. You will get a tool episode where we look at a specific, possibly a lesser known modality like Enneagram or human design or astrology or some sort of tool that can help you work through that particular topic. And a solo episode for me and, and also a coaching episode where I work with somebody specifically on that issue and you have an opportunity to do the same. So keep an eye out for when I post on social media and you could very well have the opportunity to be coached by me on a future series. So last week I shared with you some of my perspectives around boundaries. It is definitely part of my wheelhouse. It's one of the biggest things that I work with people on. And we're going to further that discussion today and I'm going to give a little ring to a very close friend of mine who is just quite brilliant at all things communication. So I'm going to give her a ring. Hopefully I can catch her. Her name is Kate Anthony. If you aren't familiar with her, she is the host of a a critically acclaimed and New York Times recommended podcast called the Divorce Survival Guide podcast. How brilliant is that? She also has this groundbreaking online coaching program called, wait for it, Should I Stay or Should I Go? How many times... Have you listened to a friend of yours or maybe you've even gone through that where you don't know if it is worth staying in your relationship, in your marriage, or not? And you genuinely need a system. That is the work that Kate does in this world. So she helps women navigate that incredibly difficult decision. And if you think about it, it's perhaps one of the biggest boundaries that you could ever establish is choosing to leave a marriage. So I'm really hoping that we'll be able to catch her. And if we do, she has a neighbor who films at their home all the time. And so there's always this outdoor background noise. So if that happens to come about, just know that it's short-lived, it's no big deal, and just pay attention to what she has to share. I do also want to mention that this concept, this idea of giving voice to your wants, opinions, and needs is imperative for our self-worth. It's not just, oh, this nice personal development term that we throw around. 
It is that our self-worth is quite literally dependent on it. And here's what I mean by that. If we continue to stay silent on areas of our lives that are incredibly important to us, and we sacrifice ourselves in doing so, we continue to send that message over and over again to our subconscious faculty of the mind that we simply don't matter as much as anyone else. And then we begin to live into that. That keeps us from speaking up continually, right? And then it keeps us in jobs that we don't like. It keeps us in marriages that we are wildly unhappy in. It keeps us playing small and not going after things that we truly desire because we believe that we are not enough. And one of the ways that we can start contending with that belief that we aren't worthy or we aren't enough is to start speaking up, to flex that somewhat atrophied muscle of sharing what is true for you. Now, of course, you don't need to be an asshole about it. As you know, I'm always talking about grace and kindness, but I think it's really important to understand that correlation. And if you're newer to the work that I do, this is truly what we do in Deep Down and Dirty, which is my signature coaching program. It's really about two major areas. It's untangling this internal component that is saying, I don't matter. I'm not enough. I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. Whatever that might look look like to you. But usually it's a deep-seated belief, that internal piece, but also the external element of, okay, now if I start to change this and I actually start to believe that I am enough or that I am worthy, how does that now inform my relationships? How does that change what I start giving voice to. And furthermore, how do I actually do it? I cannot tell you how many times I have my students bring me stuff to workshop where I say, okay, tell me the things that you want to say to them. And then I'll tell you how to say it. (laughs) Because a lot of times we only think in terms of being really frustrated, being really angry, and that very, very rarely, if ever, yields positive results when you are trying to express yourself or get your needs met in some way. So if that is you, and you know that you cannot keep going down this path where you have a tight grip on perfectionism, because then maybe if I'm flawless, then I'll be worthy, or continuing to people please and be so invested in the opinions of other people, so much so that you don't even know who you are. You don't even know what you like. You don't even know how to dream because you have been putting everybody else in front of yourself. If you have been riddled with self-doubt, always thinking that it's not possible for you, then let me tell you something. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to get more of the same, right? Like, shocker. But it's true. We expect that somehow things are just going to magically change. It only changes if you put in the effort to change. And I can absolutely give you that roadmap. So your first step is to go to thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop. 
have a watch through the masterclass that I've created for you. I talk all about the difference between the subconscious and the conscious faculties of the mind and why you might be listening to podcast or audiobook after audiobook and nothing is changing. There's a very real reason for that. So have a pen and paper handy. At the very end, you will see an opportunity to book a call with a member of my team and you can discuss if Deep Down and Dirty is a, a great next step for you. I have seen it change so many women's lives, people who did not think they could ever speak up for themselves, who were in toxic relationships, sometimes even with family. It is absolutely possible for you to shift as well. It is not some sort of secret sauce. It's available for you too. Have a watch through that. You'll see the link in the show notes and Let's see, without further ado, if we can get a hold of Kate Anthony. Let me just give her a ring. Hello? Kate, hey, what's up? It's Amy. Oh my God, hi. Hey, girl, hey. Hey, did I catch you at a good time? Um, yeah, totally. I, <laughs> you're going to laugh because this is so LA, but my across the street neighbors use their house for filming all the time. And okay. so there's like stuff going on. There's trucks backing up. There's all sorts of crazy um, LA Hollywood shit going on, but like otherwise totally. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is, that is very, very LA of you. <laughs> Oh my God. It sounds so glamorous, but let me tell you, it's so not. Right. That's why I definitely took my happy ass out of California. So I am here with the audience of my show and we've been doing a series on boundaries. And I knew that I wanted to call you up because both of us talk so much about communication and boundaries truly is about communication. So, Mm -hmm. uh, can I ask you a handful of questions and get your, get your thoughts? Yeah, of course. Okay. Of course. Sweet. Love it. Thank you. So I would love to hear your personal definition of boundaries. Cause I think it's one of those words that gets thrown around in sort of the personal growth space that people have a bevy of different definitions for. So how do you describe it? Yes. Oh my God. I think that's so true. Right. It's like, we say that we're setting a boundary, but then you, then I hear people describe what they're doing. And I'm like, that's, that's, that that's not a boundary. <laughs> right? right. So, so, I mean, I think the first thing that I always say is about boundaries is that boundaries are not the other person's right. So if I say like, my mother has no boundaries, what I mean is I have no boundaries with my mother. Right. That's right. Right. So my boundaries are mine. And therefore I actually have full control and agency over them. If you continue to think that that they're the other persons, then you continue to have no control and agency and people will continue to trample your boundaries because you're actually not setting boundaries, right? Right. So like you set a boundary with someone. So let's say, you know, the example is like, I don't want my mom to call me before 8 a.m. But my mom always calls me before 8 a.m. You know, my boundary is be really clear, hey, Um, I need you to not call me before 8 a.m., but because she's my mother or whatever, you know, she continues to call before 8 a.m. What I don't do is then keep picking up the phone before 8 a.m. and saying, hey, I've told you not to call me before 8 a.m. You don't pick up the phone before 8 a.m., right? That's a very simple 
and yet it's the same, right? So when someone says, you know, look, I work in the divorce space, right? There's no bigger boundary than divorce, right? Of course. And I do think of divorce as a boundary. The thing that we get wrong all the time is that we're asking the other person for permission. We're asking them for agreement. We're asking them for understanding. And most of the time when we have to set a boundary with someone, they don't like it. Like that's, that's right. kind of the nature of it, <laughs> right? So you have to be okay with someone not being comfortable with what you're requesting. And you have to be willing to stand in your own power to do it anyway. And I think that, I think that boundaries are sort of multi-layered, right? There's like, there's like multiple conversations about them. There's like the first time where you kind of lay it out, right? And I do believe, and I know you do too, in being in really clearly communicating. Like if I am exhausted by the fact that like, I'm the only one doing the laundry in my entire house for all of my, you know, my entire family, my husband and kids and whatever, not that I have a, I don't have one of those, but I mean, I have a kid, (laughs) but if I've decided that I'm going to change the rules of a game that I have been participating in for decades, it's my job to communicate to the people around me that I'm changing the rule of the game. Yes. Like I have to have that communication with them. And not in an angry, angry, resentful way, because it's not their fault, right? Like it's not, right. it's not their fault that I've been doing this thing all the time that I'm super resentful for. Like that's on me, that's right? right? And then, but then like the second time it's, oh, hey, just want to remind you that I, that I said that I was going to stop doing this thing. You know, your shit's piling up. Yeah. Just want to remind you I'm not doing that anymore. Then you start taking the pile of laundry and putting it on their bed, right? <laughs> or whatever it is but you don't do the fucking laundry. That's exactly right. And, and I think it's, there are different levels of that, like you said, Mm -hmm. depending on the situation. But one of the things that I want to underline here that I know we both talk about is, is clarity and being so specific with what you are saying. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying something and delivering a boundary and there's any way that it can be interpreted in a myriad of different ways, then you're not being clear. So for example, if someone's saying, uh, I need you to respect our religious choices more, like talking to their parents, I need you to respect our choices or respect how we raise our kids. That is not- That's that's not a thing. That's not clear that, you know, it's like, it's like in a relationship. I do respect you. What are you talking about? That's right. (laughs) Because it's not, it's not, specific. So it's like, if you're in a intimate partnership and you say, I just want more romance. It's like, well, what the fuck does that mean? You know, you, you're not being specific. Somebody might interpret that as more sex. Somebody else might interpret that as leaving little notes around the house or helping around that, you know? So if you are looking to establish a boundary, and this is what I'm hearing you say is be, be super clear about it. Another thing that I hear, and I'm curious if you have come across this, and I talk so much about people pleasing and how mm-hmm. that right. is one of the reasons why we don't establish boundaries. I hear people say, what if they don't like it? What if I set a boundary? <laughs> they're not going to like it. By exactly. definition, they're not going to like it. And yes. that's, I mean, for the most part, right? That's kind of the definition of a boundary. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's an easy one if they're like, oh, dude, totally. Okay. No problem. Right. Great. But nine times out of 10, they're not going to like it. 
And right. the way that I talk about this is I always say that like we're like um, inter interlocking pieces of a puzzle. When we set a boundary, we're actually changing our the shape of our puzzle piece. Right. Right. And all the other pieces around us are going to there's going to be a lot of tension as we shift our shape, the shape of our piece. And eventually the pieces around us will, they're gonna push back. They're gonna push back hard and it's gonna be super uncomfortable. And our job is to continue to change the way that we need to. And then the people around us, their shape will either conform to our new shape or they'll pop out. Yep, that's right. And, and we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with either one. People don't like our boundaries. They don't by definition. The deeper work, right, is in the people-pleasing work. So what mm -hmm. is it, like, where does it come from in you that you're so uncomfortable with someone not liking what you're doing? And also, how's it working for you when you spend your whole life trying to make other, other people happy and now you are left an empty shell and you're exhausted and you're miserable? right? Because who's taking care of, who's taking care of you? Who's making sure, right? All the caretaking you're doing of other people, you're not doing for yourself and they're not doing for you it for you either because you've trained them not to. Yes. And I think, you know, one of the things that's important to understand about that is, you know, any type of behavioral tactic that we employ, mm -hmm. no matter how detrimental it is, like people pleasing, like a tight grip on perfectionism or controlling things, we do that because it worked for a long time. It was the way in which we could stay safe. Yes. It, you know, maybe you developed appeasement and acquiescing early on in life because you learned that's how you avoided violence mm -hmm. from whatever community you were a part of or your family of origin. So I think it's really important to recognize that it works until it doesn't. Yep. And then now you're able to recognize and go, oh, it's not that I'm not capable of setting a boundary. It's that I was conditioned not to. I was told that I was responsible for other people's emotions. I think this is disproportionately something that affects women where we have, in fact, all of these idioms. I get worked up about it. We have all these idioms that say, don't rock the boat, don't open up a can of worms, sweep it under the rug. And they're all ways to tell women, particularly, shut the fuck up. Yeah, don't, right. don't express your needs. Right. Don't make anybody else uncomfortable with the things that, that you need in your life. So then we get to this, this place where for many people, I see it at least like in 30s, 40s, 50s, where they go, oh, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, and, and you see it, it, people in their marriages. Yeah. Same age range though. Exactly the same age range. Like what the fuck? I have right. been living my life for other people for my entire fucking life. And I, I literally can't do it anymore. You know, when we get to that point, I think that's when we are, that's when we explode, when we're not able to do these things with grace and kindness, because mm -hmm. we like, just, we explode these difficult conversations should be had before we reach the end of our rope, because then it's, then it's messy. Then it gets nasty. Then it comes out in all the wrong ways. I always say, I have a, I have a podcast episode on this too, is that like, if you're afraid of rocking the boat, then it's probably not your boat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. and that like, what would it be like if you were actually in charge of the vessel 
that you are going through life in. Right. Like right. really, <laughs> right? And so few of us actually have that experience. So few of us actually are, you know, we're most of us are adrift in someone else's boat being told, you know, not to stand up, not to lean this way, not to get too fat, not to like all the things, shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up. And, you know, something that you were talking about earlier, I think is so incredibly important when we talk about boundaries and that's the enforcement of boundaries. Because what I have found is just like you were using that brilliant metaphor of the puzzle pieces, people, I find that they go, Kate doesn't really mean it. Mm-hmm. Or like, oh, Kate re- read this book or, oh, Amy's been listening to this podcast and oh, sh- now she's trying to communicate differently or whatever. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really mean it because I have this volume of 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that tells me otherwise. Right. And so, oh, oh, she doesn't really mean it. She'll get over that phase. So I think that Although it takes such extreme courage to actually deliver the boundary, I think the hardest part is the enforcement. You're right. I think it is. It a hundred percent is because when they push back, it's so much easier for us to be like, okay, fine. Right. As we start to shift that, that piece, our piece of the puzzle, when they start resisting and pushing back on us, it's so much easier for us to just go back to our old ways of being. Exactly. And, but when we do that, we go back to our old ways of feeling. Mm-hmm. Right, which is usually exhausted, overwhelmed, you know, angry, resentful, yes. all of those things. And, you know, we have the opportunity to shift beyond that, but it takes work. It takes work. And it is, it's the hardest thing ever to just reassert, reassert. And it's, and the harder work I think is within ourselves. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is the essence of what I do is that is that I always describe it as being twofold. It's the internal component of believing that what you want matters, your own enoughness, your own value, your own worthiness. And then the external piece of how do I now communicate that with the outside world? What does that look like when I engage with my family, with my children, with my partner in my workplace boundaries saying no, uh, without being riddled with guilt. That's another way that we establish a boundary and then we immediately have remorse about it and take on that other person's emotional response. Yeah. And it's not yours to carry. So I'm, I'm curious, what, especially for, for you and your work, what do you see as the biggest reason why women in particular struggle or those who identify as women struggle establishing boundaries? Well, I think we have no guideposts or no history of telling us that it's okay for us to do that. Right. I mean, like you said, we've got all of these messages from the time we're tiny, tiny things that tell us that we have to be a certain way. We have to comply. We have to, you know, that there is a certain way to, to be a woman that is okay. That's acceptable. That's like, you know, all of the things, right. We have so few models for what this looks like in our lives. So there must be something wrong with us. If we are, if we're asking for something, ultimately women aren't meant to ask for things. We aren't meant to ask ourselves what we want and then ask the world to provide it for us. What we're meant to do is take care of everybody else first. And then we're supposed to feel fulfilled. (laughs) (laughs) That's newsflash. We're not. I mean, some women are like some women are genuinely fulfilled by motherhood, by by being, you know, a wife or mother, like all of that, like absolutely. But we also have choice right? Yes. And most of us don't know that we do. Look, 
we're conditioned to wait for men to ask us to date on a date. We, you know, they have to ask us, you know, to dance at the dance. We sit, we know we sit along the wall and wait for them to pick us. We wait for men to ask us to marry them. We are constantly waiting for men to make all these choices for us. Not to mention the man asking your damn dad. Asking your dad if he gives permission before he asks you if you want to, right? Like, I mean, come on, right? And so the idea, like, again, in my work, the idea that we get to choose to exit a relationship is completely radical, completely radical and has no basis. There's no history. There's no, um, Mm -hmm. there's nothing to draw from. And so, and for many women, this is the first time they've ever stood up for themselves. It's the first time they've ever spoken the words of what they want. They don't know how to do it. They just know that they have to, right? Yeah, you you reach you reach a breaking point, and I think it also comes after you have checked all those societal boxes mm-hmm. where you thought, oh, getting married. You know, we glorify partnership in our society, right? You know, and you yep. have to be partnered in order to be valuable. Where the fuck do we think that came from, well, right. right? And. But one of the things that I think is important to understand just about why we have such a difficult time establishing boundaries is because this is a newer concept, like you said, for us to even be allowed or that we're recognizing that choice really is ours, period. And, you know, what's difficult, I think, is going through all of the kickback that you get around that and all of the name calling and slander and all of that. But at a very primitive place, even if we look at, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Mm -hmm. one of our primary human needs is to belong. So no wonder we people please. No wonder. I mean, even if we're just looking at primitive human experience, we needed to belong in order to not die. Well, I, and I know you've talked about this a little bit on your show too. I think then the introduction of all the iterations of Christian faith and Mm -hmm. theology have then created a lot of the patriarchal bullshit that we are dealing with now. Yep. Yep. (laughs) And also we want to belong from on a primal level. We want to belong actually with other women more than anything. Yes. We want to belong with other women, but, but, you know, with the industrial revolution and with all of industrialized society, we separated women and we put them in single family houses behind white picket fences and told them that that was the ideal. But, and so the only way that they were meant to belong was to a husband. Right. Right. And when that doesn't line up and that doesn't feel like the kind of belonging we actually want, then we're like, oh, we're lesbian. We're a bitch. We're ungrateful. (laughs) We're like all of these things. It's like, actually, that's not what we wanted from a primal perspective. Like that's not the belonging that we want. Right. And so, yes. And then you add into like the Judeo-Christian, like the whole thing around patriarchy and, and control of women's bodies and emotions and desires and needs. And like, no wonder it's so hard. Like, no wonder. 
Yes, I, I, <laughs> I concur. So let me ask you in your work, what are some of the most common boundaries aside from, aside from the actual divorce boundary? Cause obviously that's, sure. that's the big one, mm-hmm. but what do you see the most as these are the types of boundaries I have to kind of bolster these women and galvanize these women to say, you're allowed to establish this particular type of boundary. What do you see? Gosh, there are, I think there are a lot. I think one of them is physical that your Ooh. body, I mean, it, it's shocking to me, Amy, shocking the number of women who truly believe in duty sex Yes. True. Have, have, you know, have drunk the Kool-Aid that their bodies belong to their husbands, even in divorce, even as they're going through the process, their husbands are still like, well, you know, you know, since you're here, we may as well or whatever. And the idea that they're allowed to say no to sex at any time for any reason is a huge one. Like they, it's like mind blowing to them. So there's that. There's um, financial boundaries, you know, women actually having control over their own finances. Like that's a boundary to say, like, even if you are a stay-at-home mom, even if you're not the primary breadwinner, you should have access to your own money always, (laughs) you know, you know, not having inappropriate conversations in front of children. That's another one. Like whether you're going through divorce or not, like there are things that you don't say in front of your children, you know, mommy's cranky or, you know, daddy just wants to love mommy, but I guess mommy, mommy wants to break up the family. Right. (laughs) You know, all of those things. I think that the physical one though is really hard for women, really hard. And that's another piece. I mean, that is straight up fucking biblical right there. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, and I totally deconstructed from Christianity like almost three decades ago, but I, there wasn't a name for it. And I've landed now on deconstruction TikTok and have just, my mind has been like just blown about how, how much of the dogma that I grew up with is abusive and I can see it. I can, and the deity is abusive. Yes. The, the deity is abuse. It says you love me. Yeah. Love me properly and enough, or you go to hell <laughs> or I will send you to eternal torment. Yes. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know yeah. how much more abusive something could be. So anyway, I digress, but I think that also informs 100%. Our relation, our race relations, it informs how we view people with disabilities. Yep. It informs what, uh, all of it. Yeah. All of it. And so what I, what I think is important to underline about this is if you see people like myself or Kate, and we're talking about these concepts about establishing boundaries or speaking up for yourself or whatever it might be. And you think that there's something innately wrong with you because that's difficult. Mm -hmm. What we want to underline is that it is built into the fabric of our society. And that that's epigenetics too. That's in all of our cells. That's yep. It's in our DNA. I mean, it literally is in our DNA. If it's hard for you to speak the words, it's, it's, that's because it's, it is, it's in our DNA. And I, you know, I love having these conversations with you, Amy. I mean, you know, we've always had these conversations on a deeper level because there is so much wrong, I believe, with so much of the personal development world that, that doesn't, that has these conversations on the, on the surface level. And that doesn't dig deeply into why it's hard for us, 
right? Like toxic positivity, like just, you know, speak Mm -hmm. your truth. Like, no, 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 no. We need to talk about why that's so hard. We need to talk about why it's hard for women. We need to talk about why that's dangerous for black men. We need to talk about, like, we need to talk about the why. Otherwise there is no change. There just isn't. I completely agree. And we are also speaking to this as obviously our marginalized identity is being a woman Mm -hmm. and that doesn't even, and bigger than that is our whiteness, right? Mm -hmm. Our whiteness will always be a bigger contender. And so I think, I think I speak for both of us that we don't pretend to have any understanding of other than anecdotally, what it's like to move through the -hmm. world with other marginalized identities. I think that's always incredibly important to underscore. It is. And also we need to also, I think, I think you're, you're absolutely right. And I think we have to also be responsible to say that in certain circumstances, setting about being, setting a boundary where there's danger, um, you know, we're not here telling you to set a boundary that is going to actually put you in danger, put your life in danger, whether that's because of the color of your skin or, you know, it's certainly a domestic violence um, situations, by the way, if you need help setting boundaries and you're being, because you're actually being physically abused, you need to call your local domestic violence shelter and get help doing that. There are other ways, there are other ways and reasons which this is, th- this is why these conversations are so layered and so important because we have to get to, if we get under the root of it, we see where the dangers might be and then where the help can be with those dangers, right? So for us two white women being like, set your boundaries, <laughs> like we also yes. are responsible for that. That's incredibly important. And I'm so glad you brought this up because I, I had every intention of bringing it up and then completely forgot. I tell my clients and students all the time that the advice that I give them totally depends on if they are in a, a, I guess I would say normal relationship versus an abusive relationship. Right. Because I do think that there are people who, who hear different tactics or tools, or here's how to broach a tough conversation, or here's how to establish a boundary. And they think they are broken at personal development when they're actually dealing with an abuser. (laughs) You're not broken at personal development. You're not broken at personal development. You're being abused. And And that's, and that's a whole other, you know, can of worms that I work with, with a lot in my work and, you know, with my clients, because, because I deal with a lot of that, unfortunately, more than I actually really ever wanted to know was out there. Um, And it doesn't mean that you can't set boundaries if you're being abused, by the way, a boundary that you don't set is like, Hey, you're abusing me. Right. Like there's this misconception that if they just knew that that's what they doing, that that's what they're doing, then they'd stop. And I totally did that, by the way. I totally did that in my marriage. I was like, oh my God, look, I figured it out. You're an abuser. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't, like, there's no, no abuser in the history of abusers has ever been like, oh my God, I didn't realize. <laughs> I can't, I can't wait to start working on that. Right, right. <laughs> so it's just a different way. It's just, a, it's a different, you know, the boundaries are different. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. I am also going to, I'll put a link in the show notes to the episode that you mentioned earlier. And also I did one specifically on toxic positivity um, that I think is so closely aligned with spiritual bypassing. Yes. And Good. so if you're interested in hearing more about that, we'll be sure to throw those into the show notes. So let me ask uh, just one final question. Cause you brought up the 
the marriage. I'm super curious. Does, does he know, does he ever listen to your show, your podcast? <laughs> I don't think so. No. Okay. Cause no. I know you have quite an amiable and amicable relationship now, which is amazing, but you did not always, you had a very contentious, volatile relationship, mm-hmm. Yeah. but the divorce was like stellar and sublime. <laughs> Uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say sublime, but it was stellar. It was executed with accuracy and precision. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And here's what I'll say about that. It was, and it's been a journey. So I always say about divorces that it's like, it's a living, breathing thing. You're never, you never, when you have kids, like, look, if you don't have kids, like you get divorced and then you move on. Like you don't ever have to talk to that person ever again. But if you have kids, you're in constant relationship with that person. And that relationship is constantly evolving. So we went from like super toxic, abusive, emotionally abusive, pretty awful uh, marriage. And then when we got divorced, it was like, phew, all right, we don't have to do that anymore. Let's do this. Great. The way that we were able to do that is, is multi multifold. The first is that we agreed from the get-go that we were putting our son at the center of every single decision that we made. And that meant, you know, those weren't, those weren't just sort of simple, like what's best for Emmett. Okay, great. Let's do that. There were like difficult conversations, like down to like, who got to keep the house, which I wanted to keep. And then when, when like expressed some of his feelings, like I'm the, I'm the working dad, I'm the disenfranchised one. When, if I move, then I'm like even more like one step removed. He's like, Kate, wherever you go is home to him. Mm-hmm. And I had to kind of take my ego out of it and be like, he's right. He's right. Mm-hmm. I can go anywhere and make a home for him. And, and I, and he was right. Right. So it wasn't like, but I had to be able to hear that, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and take my ego out of it. So putting Emmett at the center of every decision that we made was super important. The work that we did before we got divorced, like we were both in um, 12-step programs. We were both in individual therapy. We were in couples therapy. We were in group couples therapy. We were, there was a lot of work on both of our parts happening to make this, try to make this marriage work. I didn't know that he wasn't really doing the work. (laughs) I mean, because he was still abusing me. He was still cheating on me. So there's all that. But on the, on the sort of front end, it sounds like we're doing all the work, right? So we have tools, all of this work that we were doing on ourselves to try to make the marriage work. We just put into making the divorce work Mm. and we were unique in that we had that ability to do that, right? Because not everyone is actually putting in that amount of work. Most people who put in that amount of work actually make the marriage work, you know, and pro tip, if you're not, if you're not cheating and you're, you're not continuing to abuse, then like it might. (laughs) Right. Right. I know you, you've said that before that there are not everyone who works with you ends up being divorced. Some people, albeit a smaller percentage Mm -hmm. are actually happy in their relationship. Yeah. You know, from doing the inner work. Yeah, absolutely. People take responsibility. People, you know, the husbands get into therapy there, you know, there's, listen, if both people are willing to do the work, then there's hope. If you're the kind of person who is constantly asking your spouse to go to therapy with you and they're like, no, thanks. Everything's fine. There's less hope, right? Because that means that you have to continue to make yourself smaller and fit in that boat and all of that stuff and not, not have needs and not have asks and wants you're going to get to this place again. 
that's one thing that I tell people all the time, like red flag city, if they, if they never take ownership over anything, if Mm -hmm. it's, well, I wouldn't have to do that if you didn't, if you Uh didn't do this or, you know, that's classic narcissistic behavior. It's highly manipulative. So, and that's another thing that I think warrants underlining is just because someone is not willing to hear you doesn't mean you suck at boundaries. It could be that you're with somebody who doesn't have the the faculty to engage with you in, as an adult relationship, you know? Yeah. So lots more on that, I'm sure, uh, down the road. But back to boundaries. So again, we are, we are assuming that we're talking about relatively civil relationships here, whether it's intimate partnerships, friendships, even boundaries and friendships. I've absolutely had to do that, but I'm, I'm curious for you, uh, before we end here, if somebody is listening and they're going, okay, where do I even start with establishing a boundary? Yes, I get it logically that there's a million reasons why we feel that we can't, but I know that I need to I'm terrified, but I'm going to move beyond it. What the fuck do I do? Like what's a practical step or tool for someone? I think the first thing to do is take a deep breath, right? Take a deep breath and, and, and ask yourself, the the first thing is, as you said, the inner work, like, what do I really need? Like, Mm -hmm. what do I really need? Cause so few of us actually know, we know there's something wrong. We know that we feel a certain way but what do we actually need? What are we, what are we asking for? Right. So that you can get that specific, right? Because it's, is it really about the laundry or is it Mm -hmm. about the emotional labor that you're carrying in the entire relationship or right? Like, so what is it that you're asking? And then listen to all of Amy's podcasts on communication and how to (laughs) ask for how to ask for things with grace and kindness. You know, one of the things I learned from you, Amy, very early on in our friendship was the idea that you start all conversations with gratitude. If you're asking someone to, you know, to make a change, the first thing you want to do is give them some gratitude and appreciation. And I think, and that's something that we actually, actually learned in couples therapy um, was that we started every single couples therapy session with appreciations. Right. And so it's a, it is an, it's a masterful tool. I think also do the work to understand, as we said, getting underneath, why is this so hard for me? Why is this hard for me, right? Mm-hmm. As a, you know, white woman raised by, you know, in an alcoholic home with a narcissistic parent, like how, like, why is this hard for me? That's why this is hard for me. So what does that mean for me specifically? Right. You know, listen to Amy about how to actually have these difficult conversations because they are difficult. They are difficult. That's right. That you're bad at them. They're difficult. They're yeah, they're challenging. And you know, when people say like, oh, I just hate confrontation, I'm like, get in fucking line because nobody likes, likes it. confrontation. <laughs> no, I mean the handful of you know combative people out there, yes, but a majority of us don't enjoy being in these dis the this uncomfortable interactions with people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it is a skill set. It's something that you practice, but 
the thing that I am constantly trying to drill into people's heads is we're not telling you to do it just for the patriarchy or, or just to, so that we can be the future of the witches that they couldn't burn. None, it's not just that, (laughs) right? It's that quite literally your self worth depends on it because every single time you say that somebody else's wants, needs, and opinions supersede yours. You send that subconscious message to yourself that you just quite simply don't matter as much as the other person. So if you are listening to this and going, oh yeah, but that's so hard. My guess is this, that there's probably a self-worth struggle in there too, Mm -hmm. because that's what we do. Those are compatible traits. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I I wish it was just as simple as set a boundary, ask for what you need, ask for what you want. Right. But it's never that simple or it's rarely that simple. There's a lot deeper work to be done. Yes. Yes. So if somebody wanted to do some deeper work with you, Kate Anthony, how do you like that for a segue? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. If if you are in a relationship and you're asking the question, should I stay or should I go? That's me um, struggling through a divorce. Um, that's also me. So my website is kateanthony.com. My podcast is the Divorce Survival Guide podcast, which you can listen to anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And I have a great Facebook group for women who are struggling with the should I stay or should I go and getting divorce questions. And it's a super safe place. Super, super, super safe place. It's not like most of the divorce groups on the internet, which are like, ooh, so scary. And that's um, should I stay or should I go on Facebook. And all of those you can link to on my website, which is kateanthony.com. Well, we will definitely make sure all of that is listed for everybody. And y'all, I have to say that I send anyone who I work with, who is contemplating, am I just settling in this relationship? Do I want out? Do I not? But over to Kate, because she is such a genius in this category, in this arena. So, uh, but I do have to say as somebody who is very, very happily married and also doesn't have children, which I know you talk a lot about how how to manage that uh, through divorce. I still love your podcast. And there's so much great information over there, even though I, I'm not divorcing. Thank God. Don't he's a unicorn. Kate. Um, I know he is. I know. I love him so much. Um, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I will say that I have a lot of people who say like, even like my Instagram or my, my podcast, like, Oh my God, I just, I like, I wish I knew about this. I would, I would have had a healthier relationship had I known all this. to begin with. Right. So uh, the same thing with you, right? Like all of this work is, it, it just helps us all, you know, various levels always. Cool. Well, I think they will be the, the audience will be equally as obsessed with you as, as I am. So thank you so much for sharing all of your brilliant wisdom with me today. I love you. Thanks for calling Amy. I appreciate it. Love you. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. Oh my God. Well, I am so glad that we were able to catch her. And I truly hope you enjoyed this conversation. I feel like I could have talked to her for hours and hours and hours. I had to really watch it to make sure that I wasn't going to drop a two hour long episode. So I hope that this was helpful for you. Please be sure to check out all the links in the show notes and start stalking Kate. She has a just a wealth of information to share and not just on 
divorce. Like I mentioned before, a lot of times personal development concepts are very interwoven. And I think there's a, there are a lot of good juicy nuggets that, that she has to impart. So next week, we will be jumping into a tool episode. So definitely stay tuned for that. We'll be dropping off another modality that you may not be super familiar with, but will be able to help you cement some of these boundaries or start entertaining the idea of establishing boundaries. And again, if you want to dig deeper, you know where to find me. Have a watch through that workshop, thejoyjunkie.com slash workshop, and then you'll see an opportunity to book a call with a member of my team. And I do so hope that our paths cross in the very near future. I will see you around these parts next week. Here's to loving and living your most badass life. <laughs>